morning, church. Maybe you heard about the guy at the Denver airport. His flight had been canceled. There's a lot of people that had their flight canceled. And so there was one line with one agent working at the counter. And so she's trying to get everybody reassigned to another flight. But this one man was a little impatient. So he pushed his way all the way up to the front of the line. He slapped down his ticket and he said, I want to be on this flight at this time and I want to be first class. The agent said, sir, I'd be more than happy to help you after I help all of these people who have already been in line ahead of you. He said, do you have any idea who I am? And she didn't even miss a beat. She got on the microphone and said, ladies and gentlemen, if I could have your attention, please. We have a gentleman up here who doesn't know who he is. If anybody can help him identify who he is, please come to the front ticket office. And the crowd erupted. We're spending some time in 1 John. And last week, John said, it's important for us to know who Jesus is. This week in our text, he wants us to understand it's important for us to know who we are. Because John knows that we have an identity problem. John knows we have an image problem. Mike Bro in his book, Identity Theft, talks about a Newsweek cover story. He said there's a 23-year-old single woman who had her identity stolen by a former co-worker. And she racked up 25 credit cards. She took out $37,000 in loans and bought a vehicle, even applied for a marriage license in her name. The victim said, it's scary to think that someone could steal your identity like that. Bro goes on to write, but you know, that happens all the time. He says, high school students will do just about anything to feel acceptance and to be loved, and they'll almost change their identity and change their image just to be accepted into a group. He says, that's why gangs are still so prevalent. You read about those today on the front page of the... Longview paper, how gangs are prominent here in Longview. He says that's why people so readily give their bodies over to sex. It's just for acceptance. He says we crave acceptance and love so much that we'll almost change our identity and change our image just to be accepted by someone. John knows that. John says we have an identity problem. And that's what we're going to talk about in our text today. Bro goes on to write, he says, you know, we crave acceptance so much that if we give in to that, people will betray us, wound us, exclude us, reject us, embarrass us, use us, and abuse us. The craving for acceptance will turn you into a different person. We have an image problem. We have an identity problem. That's why we struggle with our salvation. That's why we struggle with our confidence. That's why we struggle with our assurance. We don't know who we are. John says, let me help you with that today. For some, you find your image today is based on something in the past. Perhaps some failure in the past. Maybe a failed relationship. Maybe a failed marriage. Maybe a failed class. Maybe you failed college. Maybe it was a DUI. Maybe it was an abortion. Maybe it was an addiction. Maybe it was pornography. Maybe it was gambling. And no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, what you did in the past has determined your image, your identity today. For other people, maybe it's something in the past that has to do with abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. 
Maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a spouse, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was some people at high school, and they said things to you, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too dumb, you're too smart, you're too, you'll never, you'll never amount to anything, a bunch of stuff that we filled in our minds, and no matter what you do, and no matter how hard you try, you've allowed that past abuse to determine who you are today. For others, it may even be a past success. Maybe in the past, you were very successful athletically, maybe academically, maybe some extracurricular activity, and you received a lot of attention, and you received a lot of awards, and you're living now in the past. You're allowing what happened in the past to determine who you are today. For some people, it's the here and now. It's the present. So your image today has to do with where you graduated, what your degree was, what your job is now, what your rank is, what your social status is, what kind of vehicle you drive, the clothes you wear, the gadgets, all those things determine who you are. Because we have an image problem. And we buy into all kinds of lies. We'll find image fixes anywhere. She came on the scene in 1959. Her name was... Barbie. And so now, teenage girls down, some of the teenage girls are like, I don't have a Barbie. Young girls, because of this $1.5 billion a year industry, will find their identity in a doll. I read the other day that 70% of women felt depressed, guilty, and shameful after looking at a fashion magazine for only three minutes. Why? Because they bought into a lie that says, my image has to do with everything on the exterior. Which is why ad agencies, beauty ad agencies, will spend $1.5 billion a year on advertising. Because they know we're going to buy $20 billion a year in cosmetics. We're going to spend $74 billion a year on diet foods which probably wouldn't hurt our health a little bit. And seven million of us will have some kind of surgery next year to enhance us in some way. Oh, we'll find an image fix any way we can because we don't know who we are. We have an identity problem and we struggle with who we are. Every 79 seconds... Someone's identity is stolen. Just out of curiosity, have you ever had your identity stolen? Got some folks here. This last fall, we had our identity stolen. I don't know why anybody would want my identity, but the fraud department of our credit card called me up. Mr. Ham, are you making purchases in Sugarland, Texas? Said, I've never been to Sugarland, Texas, but someone had stolen my identity and my card and was ringing up some charges. Identity theft. We see it all the time. We face it all the time. We experience it all the time. John says we don't know who we are. So in our text today, First First John two twenty eight, he's going to tell us who we are. But before he tells us who we are, I got to go all the way back to Genesis to define who we are in the beginning. And all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, we get to listen in to a conversation of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, as they say, let us make man in our image. That's one of the things I want you to hear today. We were created in the image of God. 
That's our identity. That's who we are. But shortly after that, it changed because the tempter came in, Satan came in, and he he tempted Adam and Eve, and he sold them a lie and said that the path to God is this way, and it wasn't. If you want to be like God, here's what you will do. And in their craving to be like God, even though they already were, they listened to Satan. And they lost their identity. And Scripture says they were naked and they were ashamed and they began to cover up. And we've been covering up ever since. And changing our identity and looking for who we are. Maybe that's why God said in the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other graven images before me. And that's not just a a stone idol. It could be the image we're trying to create in who we are. And if we start worshiping who we are and we're more concerned with what other people think about us and worshiping that, that's idolatry. We don't know who we are because our identity has been stolen. But in the very beginning, the Godhead said, let us make man in our own image. It was God's pleasure. It was God's will. It was God's desire to create people, children that bear the family resemblance. You ever had someone say, you look just like your... People tell me that all the time. You look just like your dad. Well, thank you very much. John wants us to know, Scripture says, we're supposed to look just like our father. But Satan came along and sold us a lie. And we've been looking for our our identity ever since. So what we need to realize today is we have an image problem. And so we turn to our text today in 1 John chapter 2. We'll begin reading in verse 28. And I want you to imagine what God says about you. That word imagine has the same root word as image. I want you to imagine the image that God has of you. 1 John 2, 28. And now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies Himself just as He is pure. John says, if you want to fix your image problem, the first thing you need to understand, our lesson last week, you need to know who Jesus is. And once you know who Jesus is, to use His terminology, and you're born of Him, then you can start understanding who you are. He says, how great is the love of God? Can you imagine this kind of love? The terminology is almost, what kind of country does this love come from? It's out of this world. I mean, how do you comprehend a love that would send, God would send His Son to die on the cross? How do you put your arms around the fact that God would send His Son to take our place on the cross? It's not a love that says, I love you if... 
Like the world says, it's a love that says, I love you even if. That's God's love. It's not a love that's based on your worth. It's based on God's worth. How do you put your arms around that? It's almost out of this world. It's almost something that we've never experienced. But John says, if you're born of Him, to use his terminology, you can experience that kind of love. But here's the key word today. Here's what I want you to understand. He says we are children of God. That's your identity. Who are you? You're a child of God. You need to remember who you are and whose you are. Is what John says. We are children of God. Now, folks, you need to let that sink in because the Bible says we are adopted. We are adopted children. God chose to adopt us. You know, if you're going to adopt somebody, you're going to do that on purpose. Maybe you were adopted. Maybe you have adopted. You know, you've never heard of an unplanned adoption. People plan an adoption because they have love that they want to share and love they want to express, and they choose to do that. And that's what God's done for us. God chose to adopt us as His children. Our problem is we have trouble understanding that. We fill our minds with other things. And so Paul would write in Romans 12, Do not conform to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our problem is we fill our minds with all the negative stuff that this world is trying to sell us. Let me illustrate it this way. Sydney's senior year in high school, she kind of went into a negative slump. And so when she was running cross-country and running track, when she would get to the, the, the meets, the cross-country meets or track meets, she would immediately identify the runners out there who were good, and they were good. And we would be on the way, Kelly and I would be on the way, and Sydney would call us and say, guess who's here? She's here, she's here, she's here, she's here. And she would start filling her mind with these negative thoughts. So we knew we had to do something. So I started putting some three-by-five cards in her bag so that when she unzipped her bag to get her stuff out, she's reading Scripture quotes. She's reading running quotes of great runners. I even put the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. Who would think that would have anything to do with running? I wanted her to fill her mind with positive thoughts. I wanted to see herself crossing that finish line in first place. But Kelly and I made sure that she knew that regardless of what place she finished, she was still our child. And she didn't need to prove anything to us. Folks, God wants us to know it's not about finishing in first place. It's about running the race. And no matter where you finish in the race, God wants you to know you're a child of God. We need to fill our mind with that. We need to constantly use three-by-five cards. We need to spend time in Scripture telling ourselves, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. And that gives me confidence and boldness and assurance in living. As opposed to the lies that the world wants to sell me. You know, I probably would have no trouble convincing you today of the power of God. It's very difficult to convince others all of us, ourselves, of the love of God. You know why? Because we know who we are. And we're not sure God would love someone like us. Oh, I know God could move mountains. He could snap His finger. He could speak. He could do some powerful stuff. But love me? I don't know about that. 
Folks, if we could grasp the love of God, if we could somehow put our arms around that, our self-confidence would go up, our insecurity would go down, our assurance would be, to use the terminology, would be out of this world. When we finally embrace the love that God has for us as His children. So, if it all has to do with what, what we think, listen to these scriptures. John writes in his gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, To all who received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. The psalmist writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Folks, God chose the color of my eyes and God chose the shape of my face and God chose whether I would have curly hair or straight hair or no hair. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I need to tell myself that often instead of listening to what the world wants me to listen to. Folks, your identity is not in your clothes or your house or your job or your salary or your gadgets. Your identity is in being a child of God. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter what other people think. I'm a child of God. You know, that gives me a couple of things. That gives me access. Access. My dad at one time was the Dean of Arts and Sciences at Southwestern Oklahoma State University. And so he had 120 staff people under him. He had a bunch of departments under him. And if his door was closed and he was in special, you know, whatever, and the secretary was supposed to say, you know, no visitors, I could walk into that office and have immediate access to my dad. I could break all the rules. It didn't matter what the secretary thought. Dad had an open door for me because I was and am his child. You know what Paul says in Romans 5? That through Jesus Christ we have access to God. You have access to God because you're a child of God. Scripture says I can boldly go before the throne of grace. I can approach God with confidence. Why? Because I'm one of his children. I have access to God. It also gives me a motivation for living. You see what he says? And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed. Go back to Adam and Eve. When they lost their identity, they were naked and ashamed. Because I'm a child of God, John says, I don't have to be ashamed. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't have to cover up. I don't have to change my image. I don't have to change my identity. Because I can... Approach Jesus without being ashamed. That ought to give you motivation to live. You know, John's been talking about, you know, do not love the world and the things of the world. And, and you need to walk in the light and you need to love your brother. The motivation to do that, God not only wants to have fellowship with us, being a child of God, God wants to have relationship with us. And relationship with somebody motivates you to live a certain way. So when I was growing up and people would say, are you Don Ham's boy? You're like, oh, what did I do? Did I disappoint my dad? So as not to disappoint my dad, I made certain decisions in life because I didn't want to disappoint my father. John says, as a child of God, that ought to motivate you to live and love the brothers. And don't love the world and walk in the light. Why? We're children of God. The message says, 
Behold, we're children. That's who we really are. And in verse um, 2, Dear friends, now that we're children of God and what we, what we will be has not yet been made known. Who knows what we will look like when Jesus comes is the translation. So here's what you need to understand today. You're a child of God. As a matter of fact, I want you to say some things with me. I want them to get in your head. So repeat after me. I am created in the image of God. Say it again. I am created in the image of God. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. Keep feeding that into your mind. This week when the world starts beating you down and selling you some lies and wanting to change your identity, just remember, I'm created in the image of God. I'm a child of God. John says that ought to motivate us. Verse 3, everyone who has this hope, everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Folks, Jesus is coming again. That ought to motivate us because we're His children. That ought to motivate us to live. And so we're going to talk some more about loving the brothers and being obedient. Why should I do that? Number one, because I have fellowship with God. Number two, I'm a child of God. We're supposed to act a certain way. We should be motivated to live a certain way. So stop listening to Satan's lies. Stop covering up. Stop being ashamed. And just remember, I'm a child of God. And I can approach God any time. With confidence. Hey God, you got a minute? Hey God, you got a second? Hey God, I got something on my mind. Hey God, hey God, hey God. And He's always there because I'm a child of God. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. Here's the invitation. Whatever life you've been living, whatever lie that maybe you've been living, it's time to come home. It's time to come home, which implies family. The Bible says we belong to each other and we're in the family. It's time to come home. So why not get rid of the lies? Why not shed that false, fake identity? Why not find your true identity in Jesus Christ today? Repent of your sins. Confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Be baptized. And the Bible says, you know what? If God can raise His Son Jesus from the grave, don't you think He can raise you up? Don't you think He can change your behavior? Don't you think He can make you a new creation? Don't you think He can fill you with His Spirit? Don't you think He can do some amazing things to you? Satan doesn't want you to think that. Satan doesn't want you to believe that. But listen to what the Word of God says. You're a child of God. If you need to respond to the invitation today, please come home as we stand and sing. So.